There's this saying in sales that everybody loves to say, by the way, it's been around for a while. People love to cling to this one particular quote. And the problem is, is that it's become rather lopsided and one-sided to the point that the people that are embracing this quote and clinging to it, it's actually hurting them. And on this week's episode of the Sales Playbook Podcast, I'm going to tell you all about it, but more specifically, what you can do about it. My name is Paul Castain from Castain Training Systems, and I'm the author of the YourSalesPlaybook.com blog and your host for the Sales Playbook Podcast. I've personally trained over 60,000 sales reps, sales leaders, and business owners to sell more. So get your playbooks ready, because school is now in session. This week's episode of the Sales Playbook Podcast is brought to you by our brand spanking new 2024 sales program. Yep, I'm launching it in 2023. How effing crazy is that? Going to be talking to you all about it at the end of the podcast. If you happen to be impatient like I am and you'd like to learn a little more about it now, feel free to visit YourSalesPlaybook.com slash Coach Paul. I want to get right down to business. I want to talk about this. This is something actually that has been bothering me for a long time. I mean, I've owned my business now for 12 years. It goes back way beyond the 12 years, just so you know. If we're going back in the time capsule right now, this goes back to even before I was managing sales reps and to the point when I was a sales rep. It, it's just this saying, and I want to tell you what it is, but I have to warn you before I tell you about the saying, because sometimes we hear things in sales. I mean, oh, yeah, everybody knows that, right? Oh, that sales one Oh, yeah, that's basic. I know, I know where he's going with this. I'm going to promise you, you have no fucking idea where I'm going with this today. Seriously, you got to stay with me. So here is the saying. You ready for this? Sales isn't a nine to five job. Let me say it again. The saying that we're going to talk about is sales isn't a nine to five job. Now, usually, and and, and what we mean by that, of course, is, you know, the hours that we put in are from nine to five. Now, this particular saying, and I want you to think about this because, you know, not that like I take great pride in being right, but when you really stop and think about this, you're gonna say, "Yeah, he, he's fucking right. He's not. He's not out there on this. Although he's he's a lunatic." But when you really think about this, we generally say sales isn't a nine to five job when we're justifying behavior. Which, by the way, just to put you at ease, so you don't think I'm one of these people. They call it hustle porn. By the way, hustle porn. These people that are like 24-7 and, you know, I'm up at 3 a.m. every morning while you're sleeping and, and, you know, these people are sending out messaging and tweets and shit on the weekend. I'm here and I've already completed, you know, three more chapters of my book. What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm fucking hanging out with my family. Loser, 
right? Yeah, good luck. What are you on, your, your sixth fucking marriage right now? Because you're always working and you're always hustling. I'm not one of those types of douchebags. So, <laughs> but but I am a douchebag. But usually we we do this saying, sales isn't a nine-to-five job when we want to justify behavior such as you know, maybe knocking off early to go catch the kids' soccer game this time of year. You have the holiday concerts. Maybe you're going to go there or something over at the school. In fact, uh, here in the U.S., what was it, last week, I guess it was? We celebrated Thanksgiving. And uh, for those of you who are parents um, and your children are grown, like mine are, and we're going to get into that in a few minutes because it really plays into the message I want to deliver to you today. You know, sometimes you have that moment where you're like, oh my God, where did the years go, right? And we were talking about at, at Thanksgiving this, when the kids were real little, um, there was like this little Thanksgiving pageant thing they had um, at their school and, and they were like in kindergarten and maybe first grade and um, they used to, you know, like they, they would dance and they would do this whole song about turkeys and stuff. And all of them did it. And we were talking about it the other day. And then all of a sudden you blink and your oldest is going to be turn turning 30. And your second oldest is, you know, just bought a house and is about to get married. It's like, all right, you know, am I getting punked here? Like who's who's playing this nasty joke on me? But I mean, usually we, we cling to the saying sales isn't a nine to five job. We want to knock off early or, you know, maybe, you know, a little mental health time or whatever. So you're not exactly getting going at nine. You know, you're going to start late because you want to go to the gym or maybe you have some tasks uh, that you need to do around the house. I mean, don't tell any of my old bosses. I mean, you know, there was a couple of times where I was like, you know what, fuck this. And <laughs> I started like painting a room in the house and, and went in late. It, it happens. Or maybe you want to cut out early on a Friday. Now, I want to be very clear because remember I said how I despise this whole hustle porn culture thing. What I wanted to say is that you absolutely should do those things. When I was in college, one of the coolest things I ever learned, it was in a business class. And this, uh, my professor said, you know, you need to have, when, when you're out in the working world, do you need to take regular, regular, like, like all the time, what the hell days. Now, my version of it would be, you know, like if I were to translate it, because I, I talk differently, and forgive me, earmuffs children, I, I call it a what the fuck day where you kind of wake up with good intentions of going to work and doing things. And then you just kind of go, you know what? What the fuck? And then you kind of like, you remember Ferris Bueller, those of us that are older, that movie, next thing you know, you're watching reruns of like I Dream a Genie and shit. And, and, and you know, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Like today they're calling it like mental health days. By all means, you sh- and and what I was saying about catching the kids' soccer game and stuff, you should. Now, I just want to say something about this because I want to drive that point home, how important. And this isn't the main message yet, by the way. I am saving a left hook for you guys. Again, you might think, all right, I kind of know where he's going with this. You really don't know where I'm going with this. There is a left hook waiting for you, right? And I kind of warned you that it's coming, so it's not like, you know, it's going to be unexpected, but you, you've been warned. But, um, you know, the reason for me why I, I am continually reminded of how important it is to t- 
take time to spend time with loved ones and friends and family and and for yourself is because really um you know i mentioned before i mean my oldest in january turns 30 i i like in my mind he's still this two-year-old right three-year-old and um the second oldest getting married he just bought a house we were at the house yesterday tearing out walls and stuff a lot of remodeling going on um on a sad note and i don't want this to be all mushy and stuff but I, I, I really feel that it's important to talk straight with you guys and show you some of my scars and wounds so that maybe you learn from some of the things that I've been through. But earlier this year, uh, my brother passed away and I was incredibly close with him. He was a best friend to me. And also my father-in-law passed away earlier in the year. My other brother passed away two years ago. Um, and, you know, two years ago, my wife was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and it was our second and she's fine by the way she's in remission right now and um several surgeries and treatments later um she's she's fine you know thank god and i'm knocking on wood right now and but i'm continually reminded that life is short life goes incredibly fast and that we absolutely need those what the fuck days and those, you know, those times where sales isn't a nine to five job, meaning that, you know, we we shouldn't feel bad that we're not working strictly nine to five. But here's where I believe that we miss the mark. We love to say sales isn't a nine to five job when we're justifying bailing out early taking a day off or whatever which again you should never feel a need to justify this shit seriously you have earned it you are entitled to it all of us get days off and things like that and if you have a good boss they're gonna understand that yeah sales isn't a nine to five job but you ready for the part where we mix miss the mark that saying works the other way too meaning that there are times when just nine to five isn't going to cut it. Let me say it again. There's going to be times where just doing nine to five isn't going to cut it. And this is where the conversation gets fucked up. Because when I talk to people about this, when I've had a coach, my own sales reps on my sales team about this, I've had people say, well, you know, that's my personal time. Or whatever. And again, I want to be very clear. I am not at all endorsing a situation where you are continually cutting into family time. Or, you know, you're not able to enjoy your weekends or after hours time, before hours time, where you are a slave to your job. Hell no. Do not misunderstand my message today. I'm not saying that at all. I despise that mentality. But what I am saying is that fair is fair, ladies and gentlemen. If you were going to say sales isn't a nine to five job, when if we're being honest, you're looking to fuck off a little, right? And again, I've been saying all along, God bless you for doing it. I advocate. My college professor got me going on that shit when I was like 19, so I'm on board, man. You want to start a club for people that 
proudly say, yeah, I'm in sales. I'm Paul. I'm in sales. Hey, Paul. Yeah. And I fuck off. That's fine. Do it. Let's go. I'm in. But don't you dare think that this isn't an even thing. This has to be fair. This has to be fair across the board. Otherwise, you fuck your success. Seriously, you are screwing it by not allowing it to work the other way. There are times where we need to step it up. Some of you right now are in an awful situation, right? You're stepping it up for year end. And some of you, it's not an awful situation where you're under the gun, but you know, I got to step it up, man. I'm trying to qualify for President's Club or, you know, a bigger bonus check or, you know, like ranking higher on the leaderboard or whatever the heck it is. And you know, you got to step it up. There are times where you're working a deal, man. It is getting kind of tough and competitive. You got to step it up. At times like that, it works both ways. Now, there, you know, just to kind of talk about this and what I mean by it, this next thing that I'm going to talk about is is a huge pet peeve of mine. I've tried to tone it down, but I feel like I feel like Popeye. Remember Popeye? You know, I've stands all I could stand. I can't fucking stands no more. And he did say the fuckers. And they they probably edited it out because America wasn't ready for an animated cartoon character to say fuck. But I'm saying it right now. I've stand all I could stand. I can't fucking stands no more when it comes to one thing. And it falls under this shit. There's a lot of people who think that, you know, okay, well, you know, like my administrative activities is best done during game time. Let me just define what I mean by game time. Game time in sales is times that you either need to be face-to-face, whether it's virtual or real, by the way, face-to-face with a client, potential client, right? And or doing something that actually generates revenue. It could be networking. It could be meetings and demos and discovery calls. It could be prospecting and emailing and things like that. That, to me, is, or, or those things are, game time activities. Game time, and please write this down if you're not in your car. Don't do this if you're in your car. Game time is for playing the game. And I always, I beat this shit to death. I'm going to say it again. Imagine, right now, it is Sunday. You go to put on your favorite game, right? You're a little late. You're running behind, okay? You know why you're running behind? Because you were doing a beer run, so you had some nice, cold adult beverages for the game. If you're like us in our house, you got to have some pigs in a blanket and shit and some hors d'oeuvres, or as we would say, hootie-doos, right? Got to have your hootie-doos, and uh, she's so running late. And, uh, yeah, you go to put on the game, and, you know, you're 20, you should be 20 minutes in, and they're not playing the game. And it's just like, it's just, it's just footage of people doing the following filling out their team paperwork for their health coverage and their contracts and shit. People are sitting around talking about the game, playing in the game, training for the game, bitching and moaning about the game, complaining about their fucking contracts and stuff. But guess what they're not doing? Playing the fucking game. And to me, 
We do this in sales all the time. I refuse to do administrative tasks during game time. You want to know why? And by the way, when I say I refuse to do it, it doesn't mean that I don't do it here and there, right? I mean, seriously, there's only so much time I have and almost so much of my personal time I am willing to sacrifice. So yes, I will do some administrative tasks during game time. Very little, though. But here's my theory why. As far as me updating my CRM or working on a proposal, see, I could do that shit when I'm having my morning coffee or off hours, right? Off hours, mostly. I could do that, you know, tonight while I'm watching TV with the family or whatever and do a little bit of it. I'm not going to be totally checked out with the family, but... I can't, I can't pick up the phone and call a potential client right now, you know, Sunday night. I can't do that shit at 5.30 in the morning when I'm sipping my coffee. I mean, I could, but I don't think it's going to end well for me. You know, that might get me a real swift go fuck yourself, Paul, right? I don't want that. I got enough people hating on me. So, but, you know, I could sure as hell do some of that administrative stuff then. To me, to maximize my earnings... I need to maximize game time, right? Now, when we talked about kind of these times when we have to step it up, you know, there is something, and I've talked about this, but probably not recently. There is a really cool way for you to make some of these things happen without like really trashing your all your personal time. So, I mean, obviously, there are times that I just, I, I get up early anyway. And like I said, I can't call somebody. So I'll do some of my administrative things then, like working on proposals and, you know, some of my pre-call planning and uh, just planning in general. But there's something else you can do. And I refer to it, and, and this isn't my phrase. I've heard this used by other people too, blending. See, a lot of people talk about this work-life balance and I can't speak for you, but I, I, I think it's almost a fallacy and a fantasy and even a myth because it's very hard for me to balance. Balance to me is sort of insinuating equal parts, right? A balance. There are times when it's just the nature of the beast where my family has to get more time. I mean, the last two years and my wife going to chemo and surgeries and she had, um, there was four times she was hospitalized because of infections during treatments and, and, you know, all kinds of things when I lost my, you know, my two of my brothers and my father-in-law and stuff. I'm not sitting there trying to ration out fairness of my time i go where you know i have to go and and these it was my family and my wife and and my in-laws and and you know my brother's kids making sure they're okay and everything so you know balance and fairness really can be it's it's kind of a, a no-win conversation for us in sales but that's why i really believe sometimes sometimes it's appropriate to blend activities, right? Now hear me out. Blending activities. So I want you to picture a scenario where you're totally doing your job and another one where you're just totally there for your family. Now there are times when you should be 
totally doing your job. And there are times where you should be totally all about your family. I mean, that quality time is important. But there's other times when you can blend the two. Let me give you a couple of examples. And of course, your mileage may vary and you need to find your way of embracing this. But when I was growing up, my father was in sales, by the way. He was a big influence on me. My first boss and my first uh, kind of sales trainer, too, I guess, and mentor. Dad taught me a lot of things about sales. and But long before I was working with him and I was kind of formally being mentored, he kind of inadvertently taught me about blending. And I remember over the summertime, he was usually very, very busy. He would, yes, he would take some time off and, and um, you know, he would be totally focused on us. But there was a couple of times in the summer where he would blend in the following way. One way that he blended activities was that me and my older brother, I come from a family of six, by the way, but uh, me and I have a brother that's five years older than me. My father over the summer would take us to this amusement park, 10 minutes, 15 minutes from the house. And he was incredibly busy. This is before the days of laptop computers. And dad used to refer to, you know, the, his administrative things as his paperwork, right? So what he would do is he would take us to the amusement park. We'd all start off and have breakfast there as a family at the amusement park. My father not distracted doing his paperwork or whatever, just totally about me and my brother. And then my older brother would take me on the rides. And my dad would then go and and sit down and and work on his paperwork. We'd meet up again for lunch, and then he would knock off, you know, early and just hang out with us and go on rides and stuff with us. But he blended the two. I didn't sit there singing, you know, fucking Cats in the Cradle or something like I got neglected by the guy. I thought it was pretty fucking cool that dad went out of his way to get us to an amusement park. And, you know, still be able to pay the bills. He was the sole provider for a total of eight people, six kids and him and my mom. So, not, I mean, those of you that have kids, I mean, I have three. And I'm wondering how the hell these people did it with six. Jeez. So um, that was one way that he blended. The other way that he blended, again, over the summertime, his busy season, is that he, you know, you know, needless to say, you have six kids. Money could be tight sometimes. So one of the things that dad would do would be um, he had a multi-state territory. And back then, you know, there was no virtual meetings or anything. It was really face-to-face. The world wasn't on an inside sales model. So he had a territory spanning really the whole east coast of the U.S. And he would plan a trip throughout the different states. And he would bring us along. And he would have, you know, all these hotels for free because he had to stay there. He'd have the gas and stuff covered in the car and tolls and everything. And, you know, his food was covered and he just had to pay our food and, you know, whatever we did. So during the daytime, dad would be in business meetings and we'd be off with mom going to, you know, the battlefields or, or, or going to the different sites or whatever. And dad would meet up with us for dinner. So there was blending there. The final um, thing I want to mention, because I'm beating the shit out of this point, is I do 
or I used to do a version of this blending idea uh, when my kids were much younger. And I remember us watching like American Idol and watching TV. Now, because I, I don't believe in doing administrative things during game time, what I would do is I would sit with them and watch American Idol or whatever. And I would do it, you know, laptop closed and hanging out with them and stuff. And then say another show would come on and it could be either before or after American Idol, whatever it was in those days. I don't fucking remember. It was a long time ago. I don't even know what the hell I ate for dinner last night. And uh, and we would, you know, I would then blend activities, open up the laptop and I would be working on some stuff and then, you know, pop my head up and talking and stuff. And I, you know, and again, you know, my kid's, turned out okay they're not sitting there again singing cats in the cradle saying yeah you never there dad you suck terrible fucking father this uncle paul was but anyway um it just uh i i i I think you have to find a way to blend it but my my whole point here is this i mean you know by all means don't feel guilty about leaving early for the kids or starting late for the kids or go for a workout or getting a jump on your weekend or, you know, that whole mental recharge or whatever, or you want to sleep in. But please, you have to understand that sales also, in fairness, isn't a nine to five job in the sense that it can and will demand before and after hours effort and in order for you to maximize your earnings this has to be a two-way street you can't cite that quote and you can't embrace this oh well you know with sales isn't a nine-to-five job thing if you don't let it work the other way because all you're doing there then is taking withdrawals and not making deposits okay so i want you to think about that and i also want you to know that these little times here and there when you're not putting in the extra hours and then so you're not putting in the extra hours but you're bailing early and you're utilizing game time to do administrative things and and planning whatever the fuck that is updating your c you know crm and the TPS reports or whatever other shit you're doing. Just understand that all that adds up. Really, it does. And if you look at right now, here we are, it's December already. And you're doing a little bit of that here and there, chipping away at your game time. And you're not putting in the effort to make it up with the activity. I'm not talking about making it up in terms of time. Because, yes, yeah, sales isn't a nine to five job in the sense of time. But you're not putting in the activity, man. The end of a year, it could be substantial. And if you think I'm kidding, just look at, you know, there's a lot of people who believe in, you know, knocking off early on Friday. Knock off, you know, there's some people, it's half a fucking day on Friday, right? But like even two hours early on a Friday, every Friday, Times 50 hours, right? Times 50, I'm sorry. Times, what, 50 weeks in a year, if we want to round it off, give yourself two weeks off a vacation. That's 100 hours of game time that's lost. And, you know, what are we talking about? Two and a half weeks? 
And if you don't think two and a half weeks is worth something, here we are right now in December. We're in our year-end sprint. Don't you wish you had two and a half fucking more weeks right now? Because I sure as hell do, right? So it adds up. All of these things add up. So make sure you're mindful of it and know that sales isn't a nine-to-five job. Works both ways before you go. I want to put this out there to you. If you're ready to train for your best year ever in sales, then I have something for you. And that kind of brings us to another quote, by the way. I'm ranting and negative as hell today, but I got to say it. Got to get it out there so that it's almost like we got to clear the air about some shit and then we'll go and we'll get drunk and we'll, we'll move on, right? We're at a point of our relationship where some shit has to be said. But we're coming up on a time of year where I cringe. Seriously. You get all these people very soon, like when it starts getting... New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, first week of the new year, they get all that piss and vinegar going. They're ready. And they're the ones saying, we're going to have our best year ever. And I almost want to say, do you really fucking believe that by saying shit like that, you're going to have your best year ever? Because I'm going to tell you, 99% of the people I see making that, They've blown their load like like five minutes into the new year. They haven't followed through. Making cute statements like, I'm going to have my best year ever. This is going to be the best. Our sales are going to be on fire this year. Yeah, but you know what I say to that? I say amen. You know why? Because that's what I say at the end of any prayer. Amen. Amen to that. Amen, sister. Right? Amen, brother Bob or sister Tammy. A fucking men. Because that's a prayer until you choose to do something with it, which really brings us to the final portion. If you're ready to train for your best year ever and you understand that your best year ever doesn't just happen because you say cute shit like, I'm going to have my best year ever. Oh, yeah, I'm so ready for that. Yeah, what are you going to do differently and do differently more than five fucking minutes? Like, like the, the, the mass majority of the sales profession does then I would invite you to check out our 2024 sales program. Now, very quickly, without boring you too much, because I want you to visit the link I'm going to give you. You know, when I started this program, there was something that I kind of looked at and realized that there's a lot of challenges with it. So obviously, I think there's value in courses, if I didn't think there was value in it, then why the hell am I selling them, right? I sell courses on my website and webinars and stuff. The challenge with courses or challenges, two, off the top of my head, there's more. Number one, not everything is going to apply to you when you do a public course, right? When you think about it, you know, you might look at some of the stuff I put out. Wow, these are some great points, but three of these really, my kind of selling, they don't apply, right? There's really nobody out there is going to be spot on for you, right? So that's one challenge. The other challenge, and forgive me for being a little blunt, like this shouldn't shock you by now, is, you know, there's really no accountability, um, portion of it or segment, if you will. In other words, you could just kind of hide in class. 
uh, you know, especially online courses because there's not usually not a lot of interaction because you can't like in my courses for example I mean sometimes I have between 100 and 200 people on there so I can't have a lot of interaction otherwise we're going to go five hours into overtime so but accountability in terms of you learn the stuff and that's it like the instructor basically leaves it up to you honor system to apply everything and what happens is a lot of people they go through a course or a webinar or whatever and again they get that kind of red bull adrenaline rush yeah this is cool they get all pumped up by the instructor only to do a whole lot of nothing because there's no accountability there's nobody saying hey we learned this last week tell me what you did with it right or hey before we go you know here's what you learned today give me two to three action items that you're going to complete by the next time we meet and that's when i decided that it would be pretty cool if we could combine two different routes that uh people in sales usually go they either go the route and sometimes both right but combined either going the route of going through courses with the route of having a one-on-one sales coach and what i did was i said hey you know what i'm going to do I'm going to create something where it's a one-on-one sales course where we're going to teach you exactly what you need. So everything is going to be relevant. We don't have to worry about three or four or five or six things not applying to you. We're going to design it in such a way that everything will apply to you. And we're going to put in that accountability piece, making sure that you hit the goals and the targets and you put in the work and you don't become one of these people that yeah this is gonna be my best year ever yes what are you doing about it uh i'm just saying cute shit like it's gonna be the best year ever right and that's how they sound seriously i've studied their voices they, they really sound like that but um if you'd like to learn more and i hope you do i hope this is the year that if you've been listening to me for a while and 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 you agree with what i'm saying i really hope that this is the year that you say you know what i'm gonna do something about my circumstances and even if things are going well for you i want you to recognize they can always be better and that's where i come in so if you'd like to learn more please visit yoursalesplaybook.com slash coach Paul, all one word, all lowercase letters, yoursalesplaybook.com slash coach Paul. With that, I'm Paul Castain from yoursalesplaybook.com. I am wishing you an incredible week ahead. Go get them. The Sales Playbook Podcast is a Castain Training Systems production. Make sure you subscribe to my free sales tips by visiting yoursalesplaybook.com slash subscribe.